Hey, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you guys here today. Uh, some of you may be brand new to Plum Creek. Some of you may have been here for decades, but either way, we're super glad you joined us this morning. And if you are new to our church, uh, you showed up at a great time because just last Sunday, we started a big series called God's Kingdom Story. And we're taking several months to go through the big story of the Bible from creation to Christ. And if you step back and, and look at the big picture of the Bible, it really is one great, powerful, true story. And he's the main character, but he invites all of us to be a part of it. He invites us to follow Jesus and play a significant role in his kingdom. So this is our theme here at Plum Creek in 2023, God's kingdom story, know it, live it, and share it. And you might think we would start this story at the beginning, but last Sunday we actually started before the beginning. We looked all over the Bible to get a clearer picture of the most holy God, the all-powerful, eternal king of the universe, and we, we saw that our little human minds just don't have the capacity to understand God's greatness, not even close. And you better hold on because today we're covering a topic that's just as mind-blowing as last week. We're going to look at creation. Genesis chapter 1, the, the birth of the universe. Now, to help us remember this big story, we're using 16 images that represent 16 different chapters. And right now, we're only at week two, so it's pretty easy to remember where we are. Last week was the most holy God, and today, creation. And we've got a lot of ground to cover here, so let's dive in. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, uh, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1. And, and just for fun, let's read this verse all together out loud. Uh, it's up on the screen if you need it, and I'm sure many of us don't need it because we've got it memorized. Ready? Here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That was pretty good. <laughs> I'm impressed. So for all of us Sunday school kids, this is very familiar, isn't it? I think I probably memorized this verse way back when I was in preschool. And the truth is, that is a very good idea for kids to get this concept as early as possible because Genesis 1-1 is foundational. This is one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. If you start here, everything else in the Bible makes a lot more sense. For example, if God really created everything... The other miracles in the Bible really aren't that surprising. Like if, if God created water, which he did, it's not hard to imagine that he could part the Red Sea as Moses leads God's people out of Egypt. If, if God created life itself, if he did that one time, it's not hard to imagine that he could recreate life, bring someone back from the dead, it just makes sense that God had the power to raise Jesus from the dead. So we start here. In the beginning, God created. And this is one of the primary truths that we need to walk away with today. From the beginning, from Genesis 1, we, we see that God created the universe. 
And for some of us, this probably seems like common sense, but others really struggle with this idea. Many people don't buy into this. They, they believe that our universe just appeared by chance. It was kind of a happy accident or unhappy, depending on your perspective. And I'm not here to pick on anybody today, but I do want to communicate the truth. You are not here by chance. You're here because God created you. That's the simple truth. At the same time, though, there is a lot of complexity around this simple truth. Even among Christians, uh, Genesis chapter 1 can bring up a lot of questions. And it's a great thing to work through those questions. Uh, But just to let you know, that's not the focus of this sermon here today. Our focus is on the big picture of God's kingdom story. But I will say, if you'd like to dig deeper into these questions, please let us know. If we have enough people who are interested, we could potentially schedule an elective class on this topic. Um, But I also need to say this. Before you get to the complicated questions about creation or science or the origin of the universe, you also need to deal with another important question. You need to ask, is the Bible reliable? Can we trust what this book says? Can we trust that this is God's truth revealed to us? And I hate to disappoint you, but that's another question I can't deal with in detail today. Uh, That would be another great class. So I'll just give you a quick summary of where we land at Plum Creek. We do believe that the Bible is God's word. It's completely trustworthy and reliable. And there's a lot of solid evidence that leads us to that belief. We also believe that science is not the enemy of the Bible. God has revealed himself to us through his word, but in a different way, he also reveals himself through creation. Now, some of you might say, well, if creation and scripture agree with each other, then why does it seem like the Bible and science are often at odds? Well, here's the thing. The Bible is God's truth, but sometimes people misinterpret it, either unintentionally or even intentionally. And at the same time, scientists can also misinterpret what we see in the natural world. You know, scientific theories are always changing. What scientists said a hundred years ago is different than what they say today. And in a similar way, the theories of tomorrow will be different than the theories of today. Now, eventually, we human beings will find out when and where we got it wrong. For the moment, though, this is where we stand at Plum Creek. We believe that the Bible is true. There are many good reasons to believe that it's true, and some of those reasons do come from science. So this morning, I'm going to share what the Bible says about creation, and I'm just going to let it say what it says. And and one more thing, as we do this, let's be humble. Let's not tell God what he can or cannot do or did or did not do. We weren't there. (laughs) So let's just look at what God said that he did. And what did he say? Well, we already read Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So that's the foundation, but let's read on. Now, the earth was formless and empty. 
Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay, there's some mysterious stuff here. There's emptiness, there's darkness, there's some kind of water. And what else do we see? The Spirit of God. Now, I want you to remember that. God's Holy Spirit was present and active at the time of creation. And I don't want to go full-on Bible nerd here, but I have to show you something that's very cool. Uh, The word spirit in this verse is translated from the Hebrew word ruach. And you got to say it that way, ruach. So let's say this all together. Uh, Ready? One, two, three. Ruach. That's good. Now, if you don't mind, go ahead and wipe off the seat in front of you. Now, this, this word ruach, it can mean spirit, but it can also mean wind or breath. So file that away. Uh, the, the spirit or the wind or the breath of God was hovering over the waters. Okay, let's look at what happens next. Genesis 1 verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning, the first day. Last week I mentioned that God is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. So in this verse, he literally speaks light into being. Can you imagine being there to see that? It just would have been so amazing. But that's just the beginning. From there... Genesis 1 makes a list of everything God made throughout the days of creation. And I won't read the whole chapter, but uh, here's the here's summary. On day 1, as we saw, God created light. On day 2, he made the atmosphere. He made dry ground and plants on day 3. The sun, moon, and stars on day 4. Birds and sea creatures on day 5. Land animals and humans on day 6. And then finally, on the seventh day, God rested. And through this whole process, a certain phrase appears in Genesis 1 again and again. It says that at each stage of creation, God looked at what he made and he saw that it was good. And this is another one of the primary truths we need to remember today. In the beginning, God's creation was good. This world didn't start out with all the pain and brokenness and death that we see today. It was all good. So, uh, this is the account of creation in Genesis 1, the very quick version like I said, we could talk through a lot of questions here, but the bottom line is what we've already said. God created the universe. Without him, we wouldn't be here. And like I said, this truth, it's often ridiculed in our world today. Uh, So let's think about this from the other side. Uh, Many people say that God was not the original cause of our universe. And, And for someone like that, I would have to ask, what was the cause You may have heard of a physicist named Stephen Hawking. Now, Hawking told the story about an astronomer who was giving a public lecture. And this astronomer 
uh, described how the earth orbits around the sun and then how the sun orbits around this massive galaxy. But there was a little old lady in the back of the room. And at the end of the lecture, she stood up and she said, Sir, uh, that's all a bunch of garbage. I happen to know that the earth is a big flat disk and it rests on the back of a giant turtle. The astronomer smiled and he said, okay, so what is the turtle standing on? And the woman said, oh, you you think you're very clever, but it's turtles all the way down. (laughs) I love that story because according to this lady, what is the last turtle standing on? There is no last turtle, right? And I tell that story because in a similar way, the field of science has no answer for the original cause of our universe. And if you want proof that science has no answer uh, in a conversation, you could just keep asking one simple question. Where did they come from? A scientist named Stephen Meyer said the conversation might go like this. You could ask, what caused human life to appear? And the answer you might get is, well, humans evolved from lower animals. And then what do you do? You say, well, where did they come from? Well, those lower animals evolved from still lower animals. Well, where did they come from? Well, they came from amoebas or single-celled organisms. Where did they come from? Well, they, they came from simpler chemicals. And where did the simple chemicals come from? Well, they came from elementary particles. Where did the elementary particles come from? Well, they've just always been there. So, uh, in other words, it's turtles all the way down. (laughs) Even scientists who don't believe in God have to admit the limitations here. Uh, Go back to Stephen Hawking. He described himself as an atheist, but he also said this. He said, the actual point of creation just lies outside the scope of presently known laws of physics. So now, Genesis chapter 1 does give the original cause of the universe, but science alone has nothing to offer there. Now, of course, it takes faith to believe that God created the universe, but it also takes a lot of faith to believe that we're all here by chance. That takes a lot of faith because as you look across this universe, all over you see the fingerprints of a great designer. In order for life to exist, there there had to be so many things finely tuned, just right. It's kind of like Goldilocks. Uh, The universe is not too hot, it's not too cold, it's just right. And I'll give you just one example of that. If the gravity of the universe had been stronger or weaker by one part in a million, billion, 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 billion life-sustaining stars would not exist. And so life would be impossible. So when when you look at this in an unbiased way, man, it's so clear. Life did not happen randomly. Life was created It's really the most logical conclusion. A few years ago, I I shared an illustration 
and I think it's worth sharing again. Uh, I'll show you a picture of a wedding cake. Now, this is a beautiful wedding cake. I think we could all agree somebody worked hard on that. But what if I told you this is how this wedding cake came to be? Somebody took a bucket and they dropped a bunch of ingredients in that bucket, uh, flour, eggs, sugar, other things. But then they took a, a firecracker, lit it, dropped it in the bucket, and then that's what came out. Nobody's going to believe that, right? But in the same way, we can look at the universe and see it's the work of a great designer. But as we look at creation, we see that God is not only a great designer. We see that he is just great. Awe-inspiring is a better description. So let's take a second and think about what God has accomplished. Inside every bulletin today, there is a little sandwich bag. And this is our gift to you. You can take this with you. But why did we give you this sandwich bag? Well, I have a, a little challenge for you. I want you to take this out, and here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to create something. And there's only one rule here. What you create, it can be anything you want, but you can only use what's inside this bag. All right? I'll give you just a few seconds to, to work on this. Ready? One, two, three, go. I'm not really hearing anything. And... Uh, if you're kind of stumped, that's okay. Don't feel bad about that because we can't do this, can we? Human beings can create some pretty cool things, but we need material to start with. And this just, it's so amazing that God started with nothing and he created something. Something out of nothing. And not just inorganic matter like rocks and dirt. He made living things. Like porcupines, <laughs> pineapple, plankton, people. He, he took nothing. He started with nothing and he ended up with something and life. Science has never done anything like that. People have never done anything like that. And this is, these are just two reasons why God is so awesome. Only God can create something out of nothing. Only God can create life. So how did he do that? you have any ideas there? Do you, do you think we have any idea? Well, you might be surprised, but the Bible explains it. Psalm 33, verse 6, the writer of this psalm says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Now, hang on, because there's more to this verse than meets the eye. Uh, there is a deep and profound truth here. So let's break it down. According to this verse, what was God's creation process? Well, he created by his word and by his breath. He literally spoke everything into being. And what is so profound about that? Well, remember that, that Hebrew word from Genesis 1 verse 2? Ruach. That word means spirit or wind or what? Breath. 
And what do you think the Hebrew word here is? It's the same word, ruach. So Psalm 33 agrees with Genesis 1. God's Holy Spirit was involved in creation. But there's another layer to this. The heavens were made by the word of the Lord. And the word word is very significant here. Let's jump over to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, when, when John talks about the Word here, who or what is he referring to? Well, as you keep reading this chapter, it's very clear that the Word is a reference to Jesus. So Jesus tell, John tells us that Jesus was with God in the beginning and that he was God. And then look, look at the next part. It says, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. God made the world through Jesus, through the word. So let's go back to Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. I love this because the Psalms were written about a thousand years before Jesus was born. But here he is in the Psalms. Not only that, we see the whole Trinity here. The Lord, the Father. The Word, the Son. And the breath, the Holy Spirit. So, God is three in one. And that three-in-one relationship existed before the beginning of time. That three-in-one God caused the beginning of time. And I don't know about you, uh, but this just blows me away. It's so amazing. Through this whole process, God speaks and he breathes all things into being. Let there be light. Let there be plants. Let there be fish, birds, and so on and so on. And then finally, God breathes his life into a new creation that's different than everything that came before. Genesis 1, verse 26, God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, we should notice a couple things here. First, God uses the word us to describe himself. And, and we know who that us is, right? It's another reference to the Trinity. And in verse 26, it's us. And then in verse 27, it's his own image. So three in one, right here, both of those verses. But there's another thing we should notice. Uh, God created mankind in his image. That's very important. This is another primary truth we need to remember today. All human beings were made in God's image. There is something about you that is different than your dog. And definitely different than your cat. You've been made in the image of God. He put something of himself inside of you. 
And it's very interesting. Uh, on the other days of creation, it says that God saw what he made and it was good. But here on day six, we see something different. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Not just good, but very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So you are not just another one of God's creations. You and I and all human beings are his masterpieces. I don't know how you view yourself. I don't know if you think of yourself as particularly special, but the truth is you are. Now, you can't take credit for that because you didn't make it happen, but you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every human being is nothing short of a miracle. I came across a great article by a medical doctor named uh, Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, Dr. Simmons knows a lot about how a baby develops in the womb. And the description he, he gave of this process, uh, it, it just blew me away. And I can't read you the whole article. I wish I could, but uh, I wanted to give you at least a few quotes. So check this out. Dr. Jeffrey Simmons, he says, Like a well-written, trillion-page novel, every step, twist, and turn of our development seems to follow an all-encompassing plan. The single cell, a zygote there on the left, formed by the union of the egg and sperm, becomes a 15 trillion cell baby in a matter of nine months with amazing precision. Everything is perfectly timed, perfectly organized. Quadrillions of specific chemical reactions are constantly happening, 24-7, simultaneously, repeatedly, often at enormous speeds that are much faster than the blink of an eye. By the 16th day, the heart starts beating. By 30 days, the embryo is 10,000 times the size of the original fertilized egg. At seven weeks, the unborn child is an inch long and has already started developing all of its organs. At eight weeks, fingerprints and toe, toe prints show up. At four months, an ultrasound can show the baby sucking its thumbs and playing with its umbilical cord. Between 18 and 20 weeks, the senses for pain are mature, virtually the same as they will be at birth. Studies show babies withdrawing their feet to irritating stimuli. At 24 weeks, an ultrasound can show the baby smiling. At 28 weeks, a baby will track a moving light, such as an external flashlight that's held up against mom's belly. Somewhere in this period, the baby learns its mother's voice. And when the baby's body decides it's time to greet the world, it sends out millions of messenger chemicals to the mother's brain saying, I'm ready, how about hitting that start button? The instant the baby passes out of the womb, chemical messages tell the baby's brain to start breathing. And this messaging is obviously critical and precisely timed. If the breathing starts too soon, the baby dies of suffocation. If too late, the baby suffers brain damage. It's all just too perfect to have come about by chance. Doesn't that lead you straight to God? Doesn't that make you want to praise him? That's how King David responded. In Psalm 139, uh, David was thinking about how he had been created by God. And here's what he said. He said, For you created my inmost being. 
You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I don't care who you are here today. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a miracle. And that's not just because of your bones and your muscles and your nerves and your brain and your DNA. It's because you were made in God's image. And that truth has all kinds of ramifications. I'll give you just two. First, because we are all made in God's image, every human life deserves to be protected. And that goes for all of us who have been born and everyone who has yet to be born. A couple weeks ago, I mentioned that our church is taking on a special kingdom project to support the New Hope Center. Uh, You're going to hear about this uh, more over the next few weeks. And uh, just so you know, for now, New Hope Center is a ministry here in northern Kentucky. And they do a lot of good work for God's kingdom. They show the love of Christ to both women and their babies, both born and unborn. Every life deserves to be protected, and new hope is a part of that, and we want to help. Now, here's the second outcome of this truth. Because we're all made in God's image, every person deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. That goes for people you like as well as people you don't like. You probably know that tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. Uh, Dr. King understood this truth, and it showed up in his preaching. Uh, This week, I saw a great quote of his, and it goes perfectly with what we're talking about here. So I'll I'll read this for you, and I'm sure it's obvious, but when he says man, he's talking about both men and women. Dr. King said, The whole concept of the image of God is the idea that all men have something within them that God injected. And this gives man a uniqueness. It gives him worth. It gives him dignity. And we must never forget this. There are no gradations or shades in the image of God. Every man from a treble white to a base black is significant on God's keyboard precisely because every man is made in the image of God. One day we will learn that. We will know one day that God made us to live together as brothers and to respect the dignity and worth of every man. He's right, of course. Every human being deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. But we're not there yet, are we? Because yes, we've all been made in God's image, but we've done a terrible job of living up to God's image. We'll see that next Sunday when our story takes a bad turn. Sin enters the world and God's good creation gets broken. That sin began with Adam and Eve, but it continued all the way down to us today. We, we make a horrible mess of things. But we're going to see something else next week too. It's the good news that God is in the business of restoring what is broken. You know, he created life the first time through the word, through Jesus. But he can do that same thing now. He he can recreate. He can give new life through the word, through that same Jesus. And if you need that new life today, 
If you need to begin a life-changing relationship with Jesus, find forgiveness and hope. If you need to be baptized into Christ, we'd love to talk with you about that. After the service, I'm going to be down front. I invite you to come see me, or you could also go to the Connection Cafe in the back of the room here. But as we bring our service to a close this morning, we're going to spend some time in worship. You know, God's ability to create, it's, it's awe-inspiring. And when you really look at creation, it, it just leads you to worship. That's the only proper response. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Right now, we have an opportunity to join the heavens, join the skies, and declare the glory of God. We're going to worship Him. We're going to sing His praise, sing of His greatness. In just a moment, we're, we're going to see a video with different images of God's creation. And I encourage you to, to look at what he has done and let his handiwork lead you to prayer and lead you to praise and worship. So let's watch this together. 